Hi, folks. Welcome back to the Device Talks Weekly Podcast. This is Tom Salem. We have a great episode for you today. We'll hear from Matt Franklin. He's a med tech guy who joined a digital therapeutics company called Achille. Very cool company, very unique approach. We'll talk with one of our new markers, newsmakers, CEOs. I don't want to spoil the surprise. Actually, I already talked with him last year, but we'll uh, have a short snippet from him talking about their surgical robotic system. Oh, I said too much. I won't say anymore. And of course, we'll have Chris Newmarker back giving the rest of the Newmarkers newsmakers. Before we begin, though, I want to remind you that our Device Talks Tuesdays will be back on November 29th, the week after Thanksgiving. Our friends at TE Connectivity will be talking about innovations in laser processing from design to volume manufacturing of tomorrow's medical device solutions. Go to devicetalks.com. Register for that Device Talks Tuesdays. TE Connectivity always does a great job. It's very popular episodes that they put on, so don't miss it. Go to devicetalks.com. You can watch it live. You can watch it on demand. Finally, I am, I'd say, ankle deep in uh, planning Device Talks Boston. That's happening May 10th and 11th. You cannot register yet, but uh, when you do, when when registration is available, do not wait. I guarantee that it's going to be a great show. One quick note about Thanksgiving. We're probably not going to have an episode of Device Talks weekly next week, but we'll be putting out episodes of Intuitive Talks, Instructor Talks, and Medtronic Talks over the next two weeks. And uh, we'll be back with Device Talks t- weekly in, uh, in two weeks, two Fridays from now. So, folks, let's get this podcast started. All right, you ready for this? Ready. Newmarker, how are you, sir? Doing well, Tom. Doing well. Chris, did you get the email that I sent you about uh, changes here at the Device Talks Weekly Podcast? Going to expect you to, to work get... work extra hard and long. We're going to have to re-engineer this Device <laughs> yes. Talks Weekly Podcast into Device totally. Talks Weekly Podcast 2.0. So, you know, choose now whether you're going to be part of this or not. I've got to fill out the online form about whether I'm I'm I'm. I'm in it to win it here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, we'll give you the severance, you know, three months of whatever we pay you to do the podcast, which nothing, but it's three months of nothing. So, you know, you got that going for you, which is nice. Wait, I thought I got like a lifetime supply of apple cider donuts. That's why you told me I could, I should do this. I mean, like, like Chris, apple cider. That's why I'm so cheery on, on this. On this podcast. <laughs> the, 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 the lifetime supply will start uh, 40 to 50 years from now. So uh. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm still around to make that happen, I'll put it in my will. I'll put it in my will. But I did, speaking of donuts, I, I uh, in the name of science, uh, tried a pumpkin muffin this morning, Chris. Wow. You know, you the kids, you always try to try oh, the food know. that you're not really like, it's still not, still, I, that's it. I'm done. Nope. Nope. Don't need to go down pumpkin road again. Pumpkin pancakes. <laughs> no, no. Pumpkin road. We don't need to go through every, all the pumpkin <laughs> products that we like or don't like, but uh, I did. It sounds like a, it yeah, looked no. so appealing, but it was just very sweet. Maybe, you know, pumpkin bread I'm all on in for, but anyway. Wait, was it going to be a lifetime supply of pumpkin it might bread? Be. Yeah. Just... Pumpkin sausage. Pumpkin yeah. muffins. <laughs> uh, there you go. Wow. There we are. Um, 
What are you feeling? We have Thanksgiving in a week. What are you feeling thankful for? Oh, wow. Look at that. I should have prepared for a question like that. Well, I'm, uh, you know, thankful for for many, many things, but uh, thankful for everyone, everyone who attended our uh, in-person events, everyone who listens to this podcast, of course. And yeah. uh, we get, we're going to have some great stuff in 2023. So I'm thankful for, for teammates so. like yourself who are uh, making all this cool Thanks, stuff happen. Man. How about you? You too. Likewise. I'm I'm thankful we can do this podcast every week, and uh, you know it's it's really cool. We've uh, you know built an audience. It's neat, like uh, like even when we were doing our device talks West show a few weeks ago, like you know that we had people walk up to us and say they they enjoyed listening to this this podcast. So it's very yeah, cool. it's, that very is cool. cool. I got a nice message on LinkedIn the other day saying, "Oh, I listen to it whenever I go to work." So thanks for doing it. So anyway, I'm glad glad we can be part of everyone's morning drive or drive home or dog walk or wherever they're listening to this podcast so let us uh, yeah so speaking of thanksgiving that's a good point uh so we will uh have a couple of podcasts out next week including an intuitive talk we'll have a striker talk in medtronic talks striker talks and medtronic talks the week after uh i'm not sure if we'll do a device talks weekly next week but we'll have a really great intuitive talks out next week so folks will have do you think we have time to get a device talks weekly together in which we only talk about medical devices for turkeys <laughs> i mean minnesota you know here's a fun fact minnesota is one of the largest i think it is the largest turkey producing state in the country <laughs> if you have a turkey it was probably could likely be we were talking <laughs> we were talking exclusively about the, the the fowl right not not the human variety turkey yeah i mean there's plenty of those here too i mean many places though i mean yeah i didn't know that <laughs> i didn't know that you were bringing so many turkeys to the world so thank you for that minnesota if, if you're if you're driving and someone's honking behind you that's he's you know, probably yeah, from that's massachusetts probably the human yeah, right yeah. yeah it's probably from massachusetts <laughs> Anyway, get out of the way. Let us roll into number five on these here new markers, newsmakers. Yes, let's talk about medical devices here. So number, you know, number five on the list. Uh, you know, we're talking on Thursday, and uh, this just news just came out today uh, was a CMR Surgical uh, announcing uh, they've you know installed now more than a hundred of their Versius surgical robotic systems worldwide. Um, you know, they're now. They now have robots in operation across Europe, Asia, Australia, Latin America, and the Middle East. So you know, it's a it's a question I posed on LinkedIn, or you know, should the you know surgical robotics space in the United States get ready for a for a British invasion from hmm. this uh, you know British surgical robotics company? Um, you know, but, um, but yeah, they're definitely definitely growing and a, and a company to watch in the space. Absolutely, I, mean, I think theirs is a uh, laparoscopic sort of uh, sort of approach to robotics. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. And, you know, it's, uh, you know, and kind of the idea is that it's, uh, they, they feature like kind of a freedom of port placement, um, you know, and, and, and kind of the idea that the surgeons can operate they, the way they did laparoscopically, but still benefit from, you know, robotic surgery. And that, you know, the reverse, you know, versus is kind of like smaller, more lightweight, more, you know, modular. So, uh, so yeah, they're, they've obviously been getting some traction around the world, and uh, they're even building a roughly seventy-five thousand square foot manufacturing facility in uh, Cambridgeshire. To hopefully, I uh, pronounce that right, Cambridgeshire. Cam- I think Cambridge, Cambridgeshire, but, um, right? Cambridgeshire. Yeah. yeah. So they're they're building a they're building a new manufacturing plant to, to meet the growing demand. Now I'd like to play part of an interview I did with Per Burgard Nurseth. He is the CEO of CMR Surgical. 
If you want to listen to the whole interview, you can uh, check the show notes. I'll have a link to it there. You can also go to devicetalks.com, look under the Device Talks Weekly Podcast. We ran it in uh, summer of 2021. So take a look at that. Uh, per Vergard, Nurseth uh, had a unique background for medical device CEOs or medical device surgical robotic CEOs. He actually comes from the robotic side of things. He was uh, previously managing director and senior vice president of the ABB Robotics Business Unit. And it's identified as a world-leading manufacturer of industrial robotic systems. So I would check the interview out. He has a unique uh, perspective on surgical robotics. So let's take a listen. So this is this is the time where I think it's a good idea to bring our reader, our listeners rather uh, up to date on, on what CMR does. What is the significance of your approach? Tell us about your robotic system. I think it's uh, we have a system which is different to what has been in the market in the past. We are having a modular uh, system and architecture where you have each arm being able to be moved independently which in our opinion gives the opportunity to have more flexibility when it comes to doing surgeries. And we have given ourselves the mission to really um, bring minimal access surgery or keyhole surgery to as many people around the world as possible. And that technology and that design concept that we have really enables them to use across multi-speciality mm-hmm. and in multi-type of surgeries. So what is the significance of being able to provide that, uh, that keyhole approach, the minimally invasive approach? No, the, I think the significance is obviously that there are today still so many people around the world who don't get access to keyhole surgery. There are still far too many people who are only getting access to open surgery. And obviously, there are clear benefits of performing keel surgery for the patient, for the hospitals, for the economy, I would say, even for a company, not for a country, sorry, because uh, you have less, less time spent in hospital, you have less wound infections, so many, many benefits. But the thing is that actually performing manual keyhole or manual lap, as it's called, obviously, is a very difficult task to do. And this is really where surgical robots really come in and making it much, much easier for the surgeon. So that's really enabling us to help giving uh, keyhole surgery to more patients all over the world. So the Sorry. So the opportunity isn't to convert people who are currently doing keyhole surgery to use your system for keyhole surgery, but rather get people who are performing things through open surgery to do it through keyhole surgery. That's clearly the mission we are set out to do, yes. Excellent. So what is the, uh, the origin of uh, CMR's technology? And tell us a, a little bit about the company. How long has it been around? CMR Surgical was founded back in 2014 by uh, five founders who had the mission to really bring keyhole surgery to millions of people around the world. And in just six years, they were able to basically go from a wooden prototype to actually give more than 1,000 patients access to keel surgery. And I think this has been so um, such a strength of the company, have been staying so focused on one mission and to be able to really go from sort of an early prototype and all the way to helping so many patients in such a short period of time 
has been an absolutely fantastic journey for the company. No, that's very true. I mean, that, that is a that is a short uh, a short distance traveled uh, in terms of years, but uh, many years, many many miles traveled in terms of accomplishment. That was an awkward phrasing, but how how was that made possible? Um, because you're right, most usually you'll see companies take five at least ten years before they have their their technology used on a patient. Yeah, I think there was, uh, and first of all, they start with the fantastic concept. The whole concept uh, around having a different uh, design philosophy with sort of individual arms, as we just spoke about earlier, with a clear, clear uh, mission and focus there. And that was really the, the, the ability. N- number two, that it, we have had a great uh, access to fantastic uh, people coming out of the university here in Cambridge uh, in the UK. And so the the availability of very, very competent uh, people. And thirdly, we have been having a very strong uh, support with uh, long-term investors who has been supporting uh, CMR Surgical all the way back since 2014. And basically all of them are still remaining as important and and, uh, long-term supporters of the company. So we uh, know what we need to know about CMR Surgical. Chris, what is uh, number four on the New Marcus Newsmakers? Well, number four, if you want to know about Afera, the company that Medtronic spent a billion dollars on, um, our, uh, our managing editor, Jim Hammeran, had a, uh, an entire interview he did with their uh, founder and CEO. And, uh, you know, just really interested. They're like actually, you know, Putting some, you know, uses, uh, you know, from from night and all into, into this device. It's funny. I mean, I've, you know, I've been covering this this space for more than a decade, and you know, it's hard not to be at a medical device conference where somebody's not talking about night and all over oh, all yeah. these years. But but I mean, here we go. This is like a, you know, the it's got a the, their Sphere Nine catheter as a compressible lattice night and all tip. You know, with a you know nine all with uh, nine mini electrodes. You know, so nine all was kind of their solution to get a uh, you know a uh, you know a larger larger tip for this ablation catheter in there, which you know they which um, they, they they think could be really a advantage for ablation procedures. So, no, oh. so you know, cut some some really neat little insights on you know what what's gone into this technology there. And remember when a billion dollars used to be a lot of money for medical device acquisition. You mentioned it was a billion. I forgot it was a billion dollars. Like when Ardeen was acquired for a billion dollars by Medtronic also, that was like big news. But this, anyway, we're right. off topic, but. Uh... You're right. No, it is true. <laughs> I mean, it used to be. Yeah, even like, I mean, I guess that's inflation, right? I mean, like it used to be, but, uh, used to be when somebody, like now, like somebody was like, oh, they bought them for $20 million. <laughs> You're like, wow, that's a lot of money. And now it's like. Oh, that wasn't that much. Like, <laughs> but Jim Hammer did a great job talking with uh, the yes. CEO and founder, Doran Harlev, who, uh, who I believe is also a listener of the podcast. So if he's listening, hey, thanks for listening. Uh, and uh, it's a it's a unique device in that it not only ablates, but it also maps. It also gets data on on yeah. where there are a need for future ablation. So data is king, as we know. So uh, certainly explains why uh, Medtronic did, uh, did pony up and... Uh, uh, Jim did talk to uh, Doran Holov and uh, Rebecca Seidel of Medtronic yeah. about uh, about the acquisition. So it's a great, great article. And just just reading the uh, the quotes from Doran just gives you the sense of kind of a, you know, just an old time medical device entrepreneur, like trying to figure out cool, yeah. cool ways to do or 
cool ways to do great things with metal devices. So I suspect we're going to be yeah. uh, hearing more from yeah. from him in the future. You know, and he, you know, the the article wraps up with him saying that you know he he just thinks Met- Metronic is really unique in its ability to bring big innovations and, and to turn the mainstream. So it really sounds like he thinks that this acquisition is it's what's going to allow you know the these innovations they've really been working on to like you know become become mainstream and you know and hopefully you know this can take ablation to the next level even more more treat more effective treatments out there for afib uh what is number three on that vaunted new markers newsmakers list hey well number three on the list uh we've got blackrock neurotech um unveiling their next generation uh brain computer interface the uh neuralace and uh it, it, they call it the neural lace because it it looks like a piece of of lace. It, the, it's thinner than an eyelash, and you know it's it's possible to engineer it with like a variety of materials and patterns. And you can like put this on white swaths of the brain's you know surface. So I mean, just a you know just just a really uh, you know that like you know BlackRock was one of the early companies to get something out there for research, you know, in the, in the BCI space with their, you know, Utah Ray. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's neat to see this, you know, next, next uh, generation BCI. They're currently expecting the Neuralize to become available as a tool for the research community by, um, you know, by 2024. That's great. Now, there's a lot of movement in the materials space for, for Neuro, that's for sure. And I see that uh, Sean Hooley not only included a picture of Neuralace, which is a very, very cool uh, little little piece of fragment on someone's fingertip. But uh, Neuralace uh, has a, a video on YouTube as well. So if folks are interested yeah. in checking out what Neuralace, so with an A, N-E-U-R-A-L-A-C-E, looks like they can find it on YouTube. Or embedded in the Mass Device article. Or embedded, so yeah. Oh, yeah. Go our... right there instead. There yeah. you go. Just go I right to the article. I mentioned YouTube. Know. There's no such thing as YouTube. No. To what's that? You know? Mass device is the real powerhouse we're talking. So go to go to Sean Uli's right. article. We'll have a we'll link to the uh, the new markers newsmakers in the uh, in the show notes. So all right, Chris Newmarker, fantastic. What is number two on your amazing new markers newsmakers list? Yeah, there's just a lot this week. Um, you know, number two on the list we have uh, Cardinal Health. Uh, you know, announcing that they're you know going to try out this pilot supply chain network to enable more hospital level healthcare in people's homes. And, you know, they're putting this together through a strategic partnership with uh, Boston based uh, medically home and, uh, you know, Cardinal health is part of a whole group of, of companies and health providers, you know, Baxter is also part of this. They invested $110 million in medically home earlier this year, but now, uh, you know, Cardinal health's uh, at home solutions supporting a, medically home uh, health system cus- customer with their uh, new pilot uh, VeloCare supply chain network, you know, but uh, it's just a, it's a really interesting idea. Something that people think that is going to become, you know, more common that, you know, there's like a host of things that you just have to go to the hospital. Now you have to, you know, be checked in the hospital for, you know, from like severe pneumonia to, to congestive heart heart failure ex- exacerbations, you know, that, you know, in the future, you know, people can, um, you know, they could just, uh, you know, get this equipment to your house and, you know, you could, you know, stay at home. So I, I have to learn about Medically Home. It says on the website, Medically Home is passionate about providing safe and effective medical care to all patients everywhere, particularly historically underserved patients who are typically economically, socially, and geographically disadvantaged. Yes, I'm reading from the website. Yeah. 
bringing our care model to patients help overcome challenges from a host of well-known obstacles. So it's a, certainly something that we'll have to, we'll continue to track, no doubt. Maybe we'll have them uh, at Device Talks Boston since they're in the Boston area, but uh, this seems to be a great way to, uh, again, get people out of expensive uh, clinical settings, but also improve healthcare equity, make it, uh, make yeah. it, make it treat the people where they are. Uh, whenever possible. So mix. if you keep people out of the hospital, there could be less, you know, hospital acquired infections, you know, which are, are just increasingly becoming a problem, you know, and, uh, and plus a lot of people just, I, I, I think would, would prefer to be in their house. I think if, so. you know, if, if, you know, if, uh, if, if they could provide me hospital level care in my house, if, uh, you know, if I have, uh, you know, some kind of condition that needs treatment uh, versus getting checked in, I think I would take it. All right. Well, that sounds great, Chris Newmarker. What is number one? The big number one on this on this Newmarker's Newsmakers list. Well, you know, number one on the list was uh, you know Stryker unveiling this like model operating room, their OR of the future. Um, you know, at their uh, Flower Mound, Texas facility, and uh, we have a you know picture of it, and a whole whole article. You know, that the you know Sean wrote up that you know is describe what, describing what's going on with it. Um, but um, this has actually gotten a lot of attention on uh, on mass device, and I think it's because it's it's kind of it's it's actually really interesting. Like, where does Striker see operating rooms going, and the you know, and the and the fact that they have so many products that go into operating rooms. You know, and they're they're kind of saying like this thing is demonstrating like you know it's showcasing their best in class products and what a partnership looks like with striker as an integrated or provider but i mean it's like all kinds of these all all kinds of these different innovations like in, including like you know the stuff is you know as nitty-gritty as like eliminating velcro um you know in order to you know reduce hospital infections mm-hmm. uh you know just all, all kinds of you know uh um data insights you know from devices and uh you know like you know innovations to you know make the or you know patient ready sooner you know which would which would you know increase you know the amount of patients you could run through somewhere you know to provide procedures which i which i've you know i've heard that you know health providers are really playing catch up right now you know after the pandemic so so i mean it seems like strikers like hey we've got all these solutions that could make your or a lot better and you know here is Here's this OR of the future that um, we we can find out about all. Of them. Absolutely, well, we're happy to have Striker at our Device Talks Boston uh, meeting back back May, where they went over a lot of this their their digital strategy. Uh, I'll be talking with Robert Cohen, who's the president of Digital Robotics and Enabling Technology at Striker, about where uh, where this is headed, and uh, also talking with Andy Pierce, who is a group president of MedSurge and Neurotechnology. We'll be talking about their use of technology and how they're 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 bringing basically the cool Vocera technology into into the hospital bed. So a lot of cool technology things going on at Striker, and I would very much like to go. I read that and I said I want to go to Flower Mound, Texas, which I never knew existed until I saw that article. But uh, would very be very cool to see what their vision of the future looks like. So uh, glad that's getting a lot of attention. Yeah, and that, it's actually really good that you mentioned. Yeah, the the, the um, acquisition of you know Vasera Communications, yep. you know earlier this year. I mean, with all their digital care coordination and communication. I mean, so they're just they're just doing they're they're you know like they're traditionally strikers viewed as being an orthopedic device company. They're the largest orthopedic device company in the world. But I mean, they're really um, you know they're really like making a push to try to answer 
there's some big questions, you know, around around healthcare right now. So it's just that's just actually very fascinating. Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, great list, Chris Newmarker. Yes. Go down to Flower Mound, Texas, and like uh, maybe maybe try it. You think they'd have a good breakfast burrito <laughs> joint around there? Or like, uh, I think a- we need a device talks Flower Mound. What do you think? Yeah, I love let's it. Let's do it. Well, Matt Franklin, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here. We don't talk to a lot of so-called digital therapeutic companies, uh, but Achilles has been one that uh, I've been tracking for a long time and, and uh, excited to have you on. And what made it most compelling is that you're a med tech guy, uh, at least uh, you had been at one point of your, or two points in your career. So we have to, we have to find out how you made this uh, transition, or even if you see this as a transition outside of med tech. So the first question I like to start with is uh, is just that. How did you find your way into the uh, medical device industry? Yeah, so it's funny. I like to joke uh, sometimes that I'm a recovering consultant. So I actually started my career uh, in the information technology uh, side of the world. So first as a strategy consultant, later as a developer uh, and uh, development team leader. Uh, after grad graduate school, I pivoted into the medical device in really kind of the cardiology space is where I, I started and kind of grew up with Boston Scientific. And there, you know, I had the privilege of, you know, working with incredible teams to, you know, to define and bring, you know, technologies, regulated technologies to market literally globally. You know, we did uh, more than a dozen launches over the course of my career. So really got a feel for what it takes to to create and shape mar- these regulated product markets. Yeah, you've been through, I mean, you in, in to, to set the time frame, you, you got it, went into the tech industry in the mid to late 90s when a lot of people did that. So uh, it's nice though that you found your way over to the light side in med tech and you had joined Guiding, correct? That was your first med tech job according to your profile? Yeah, yeah, yeah started with Guidance. And then Boston Scientific, of course, with the acquisition. Yeah, with a little stop in between, a little company called the EV3. Oh yeah, that's right. Okay. Uh, yeah, majority of my formative years are with Boston Scientific, you know, primarily spent on the product and then the commercial side. So working with the R&D teams to translate requirements into products and then uh, bring those to market. That's fantastic. Yeah, those are three three great places to uh, to begin a med tech career. So let's talk about your, your more recent work. You're with uh, Thrive, who we've had on the podcast, well, probably two years ago now. Very, very interesting liquid biopsy screening company. And then you most recently, after that, you had joined uh, Exact Sciences. I'm guess I'm getting to the point where how did you find your way to join uh, Achillean? Because it's it's unlike any of the other companies that I think you've been a part of before. Or maybe you're going to tell me no, it's exactly like the other companies that you've been a part of before. So uh, take us through your most recent uh, career stops. Yeah, it, it's interesting, and I think a lot you like many of these. Uh, it, it's sort of one of those fortune kind of intervened, uh, mm-hmm. as you mentioned. I. You know, since 2015, I'd really been on the precision medicine side, you know, so sort of first with foundation medicine, you know, really helping to grow and that that whole field of precision oncology, comprehensive genomic profiling that led to Archer and then, you know, Thrive, which was a number of the foundation medicine leadership team. So it was an opportunity to, to kind of reconnect, reunite. That's right. And then, you know, we were acquired uh, by Exact Sciences. So spent 18 months there, an incredible company helping to build their new oncology business there. And you know, sort of, again, out of happenstance was connected with Eddie Martucci, who is the CEO and co-founder 
of Achille through a mutual friend in the area here, Dave Melville. And I sat down with Eddie and, you know, it was just sort of one of those, you know, get to know each other coffee chats. And, you know, as he described the history of the technology that was founded at University of California, San Francisco, the rigorous data, the studies have been conducted, you know, multiple randomized controlled trials, uh, and the impact that this could have for children with ADHD, it really connected with me. I've shared this in, in some other venues, but we have one of our children was diagnosed on the autism spectrum. So we have lived the journey that mm-hmm. many of the families that we serve at Achille deal with every single day. We have had to fight for resources. We have had to deal with the vicissitudes of getting the medical therapy right. And while you know, our child's older now and thankfully is doing well, we would have loved to have had an option like Achille, a non-drug option, something besides uh, cognitive therapy, which is helpful, but it is, you have no way of knowing whether it's it's having an impact or not. So something like Achille that is engaging, it's delivered in a video game format that kids actually want to do versus having to force them to go to therapy or to go take their medication. They have this, you know, interest and excitement, and it has the ability to directly impact those pathways in the brain to build those, in our case, attention, you know, capabilities, cognitive capabilities, and maintain them over time, right? So it's not like a drug where you take it, you flood the brain, and as soon as you go off medication, you lose all positive benefits. You know, we've done studies at Achilles that that show the effects persist, right? That effort the child and the family puts in persists over time. So it's a really unique solution that fills this unmet clinical need that families like ours, you know, realized and, and were suffering through. Talk a bit about Achilles offerings uh Endeavor RX. First, let's talk about the game, and then we can kind of talk about the clinical pathway that it took to, to get to market. Yeah. So Endeavor RX is the first and only. Uh, FDA authorized video game treatment. Uh, it's today for children who have been diagnosed with ADHD, uh, ages eight to twelve. But it's been studied in a number of other conditions: autism spectrum, mm-hmm. multiple sclerosis, major depressive disorder, et cetera. But mm. the game utilizes proprietary technology. Again, that was developed at University of California, San Francisco. Has been uh, published in multiple studies, including Nature, but uses a unique multimodal engagement. And so it challenges the child. It's essentially a racing game, if you think about it. So you pilot, so you use the video game to steer through a number of obstacles. And then as you are using that part of your attention function, it will issue challenges. So it will, for example, flash creatures that the child has to capture but also asks you to discern between different types of creatures. So it may, on this mission, ask you to, as you're piloting through these obstacles, capture the blue creatures or this particular type of creature. And the child would then have to not only have that persistent attention function, but then have that challenge, right? That intermittent challenge function as well. So it is actually physically creating new connections in the brain, right? As you're challenged. And it continually monitors moment by moment the child's performance. So it always keeps them challenged, but not too much. So if the challenge gets too extreme, it will back off. If the child is progressing and, you know, showing fluency, it will increase the challenge. So it's always keeping you sort of at that optimal level of challenge to continually develop 
that attention function. Do we know what is physically happening in the brain, or is it just a matter of that we know that when a child plays this game that they behave differently after a period of time? Or do we know what's going on chemically in the brain? Yeah, it's it's actually activating, physically activating those specific regions of the brain that are implicated in attention functions. Okay. So it's not this broad spectrum. It's not like a drug right. model where it just, you know, hits all of the receptors and has this general, it is specific and targeted to those regions that are that are most uh, implicated in attention function. So it, it's really an elegant solution. So what, what has the, been the clinical pathway or the clinical trial pathway to getting EndeavorX on the market? Yeah. So one of the things that really attracted me to this company was the, the commitment to rigorous science. So as I mentioned, we're the first and only FDA authorized. So the first video game to go through the Genovo 510K pathway Com- comes back to sort of your traditional that, you know, that's very well-worn pathway in the medical device side, but, but this was a novel new uh, construct, right? A video game. So software, sure. but a video game. Um, so we submitted as a part of that regulatory pathway. Uh, we had multiple studies, five studies, including randomized controlled studies, right? So very rigorous where there was a sham uh, control. So actually randomized patients were randomized to two different arms. Hmm. One played Endeavor RX, the other played a similar education game, kind of a word challenge game. Um, and then, you know, those two cohorts were compared. And, and what we demonstrated was that the Endeavor X arm showed significant improvements in attention function as measured by a standard test called the TOVA test. So again, very rigorous, randomized controlled study. And we're now in the process of pursuing indication expansions to adolescent populations, adult populations, uh, and populations outside of ADHD. Oh, interesting. Okay. So talk about the, the physically, about the game for a moment. Is this, is this a, a program that you put on a, a computer that the person has or, or the child has or the user has, or do they buy an entire console? It is a mobile game format. You can download okay. Endeavor apps today from, any, any phone? from App Store or Google Play. Store. Okay. Yeah. Compatible with... Uh, most of your the devices you'll see, so whether iPhone or iPad or Android device, and uh, can be downloaded. Uh, it, it does require a prescription. And that's what I, I was going to ask that next. How does that work? It, it, so it's it's prescribed, and you get some sort of passcode. Um, tell me, how does that work? I asked the question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm guessing here, but <laughs> it's interesting. Uh, that was something else that we had to develop. You know, when you were a yeah. pioneer, your first blazing these trails, one of the things we had to build was an infrastructure to basically fill the prescriptions. So yeah. yes, contact, uh, you would work with your healthcare professional. So a pediatrician or other specialists like a psychiatrist, you would talk, you know, as a parent, you would talk to, you know, the physician, if they agree, they would go into the electronic medical records system, pull up, you can write a prescription. That then goes to a pharmacy partner, a specialty pharmacy partner that that we work with. They text the parent a link. The parent would pull up that link on their iPhone, fill in some information, confirm the prescription, collect information about insurance, things like that, You know your standard prescription type of format. But once we have all that information, the parent uh, or the caregiver would receive essentially an activation code. So they would then go download the game from you know the app store, pull it up, put it in the activation code, and that unlocks a 30-day treatment. So it's a 30-day treatment. Oh, okay. It's performed five days a week, 25 minutes a day. We also have really cool, based on feedback from caregivers, we have a companion application. So it's called Endeavor RX Insight. 
But at the same time, the child downloads Endeavor RX, they're going through their gameplay. The caregivers, the parents can download Endeavor RX Insight, which enables them to follow along with their child's treatment. Oh. So they can see how much time they put in, how how many missions they've completed. It even shows the level of effort. So are they just sitting in the room kind of going through the motions or are they actually making progress, putting in effort, right? Tra- doing that training uh, of those new capabilities? That's one of the really compelling capabilities that this software, right, this video game format, we, we have a wealth of data that we can use to not only improve the game, to improve the engagement, but then to share with the caregivers to help them really be part of the treatment. And we've seen those families that engage with that inside app that are an active part of that treatment, as you can imagine, have a much higher compliance rate, get through their 30 days of treatment and, you know, hopefully realize the, the full benefits of this, you know, powerful new treatment. That's interesting. So I didn't realize that there was, so it's actually treated as a prescription. Take this for 30 days, essentially. You're, you're, you're playing this game for 30 days. Yeah, exactly. So are the improvements after those uh, day 45 or day 60, do the improvements remain with the child or, or are they going to need to use this Endeavor RX, not indefinitely, but but for a longer period of time than 30 days? Yeah. So we have conducted studies. So one of those uh, regulatory studies that we submitted with our application was the STARS adjunct trial. And, mm-hmm. and in that trial, it was kind of an innovative design, actually looked at children on medical therapy, so on stimulants or without plus Endeavor RX. So looking at sort of multiple treatment scenarios. But what it showed is that after 30 days, we saw a significant improvement in symptoms. Then there was a 30-day break Okay. Built in, so there was a 30-day period where they were not actively in, engaging in treatment. And what we saw in both the medical arm, the medical stimulant arm, and the de novo or the you know just the device only arm, they both maintained their performance over time. Then they went on, you know, after that 30-day break, a subsequent 30-day treatment, and showed more improvement. So the way we view this is really a periodic treatment. You don't have to take it every single day. It's built to be able to work with each child in their situation. You can take breaks, but then the benefits persist. If you feel, hey, our attention capabilities are starting to diminish or we're feeling you know, those symptoms, we're seeing those symptoms, then you can go back on and initiate mm-hmm. that treatment again. And the other beautiful thing about this is the, the safety profile is incredible. No major adverse events. You know, the most common, it was, uh, I believe it was a 9% adverse rate. The most common events we saw were frustration, you know, maybe headaches, right? Things that you would expect from a, you know, rigorous training type of regimen, but um, extremely, I think, beneficial safety and efficacy profile with this device. And how have you worked with payers for this? It's always great to be first, but sometimes it's not when you're dealing with with payers <laughs> and, and regulators for that matter. But is this something that they've been open to reimbursing? Yeah, there was a bit of an education process. Um, I experienced this with Foundation Medicine and with Thrive. Whenever you're creating a new category or treatment, there is an education process. So we do have a team that's on board today that's, you know, wakes up every single day dedicated to engaging with the payers, both, you know, in our case, it's the commercial private plans that we're working with because we're, you know, pediatric indication as well as state Medicaid. Um, That's another key group of stakeholders for us. So you know, we've gone through the, you know, the, the process of educating, you know, here's this new treatment modality, here's our clinical data, here are the logistics. We are starting to see some positive uh, progress there. We just announced in our earnings call that Highmark, which is a Blue Cross Blue Shield uh, insurance plan in the Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh, West Virginia, Delaware area, 
announced that they would cover Endeavor RX, uh, prescription digital therapeutic, as a part of their medical benefits. So mm. we're starting to see now some of the, the big influential regional plans coming on board. And we hope to see more progress. We really hope this is sort of a template that the payers can use uh, with this time arc decision to uh, to kind of copy and step up and you know help us make this you know important new option available for patients. Fascinating. Yeah, I want to get into to building the market a little in a minute, but as you're talking, I'm curious, what sort of intellectual property protection do you have against other game developers who may just say, hey, let's do that and create a game that does that? I imagine there's protections against that sort of thing. Yeah, we do have a robust portfolio of intellectual you know, property that you know, is seeking. We'll continue to expand over time. So yeah, this is a little bit different than you know other kind of you know entertainment mobile games where you don't have that. We actually do have the ability to to have some patent protection here and some intellectual property. So we'll continue to expand that over time. Well, and let's then focus on on building out the market. How, so, is it currently prescribed by? And you, and you did mention it, but was it pediatricians and psychologists, or just psychologists? Who who is able to prescribe this right now? Yeah, the the two groups that we really focus on initially are what we're calling these integrated behavioral health centers. So, these are multidisciplinary practices that okay. treat you know complex cognitive issues. So, we're focusing there. Uh, typically, there will be a psychiatrist or medical director. In parallel with that, we now have a team on board uh, engaging directly with pediatricians and other specialties. There's actually a long tail of specialties. Pediatricians, mm-hmm. pediatric specialists are, are sort of the, the first place, but but there's a long tail. Anyone who has a medical license, uh, an NPI number can prescribe this. So we do see there's a, a variety out there. And what is, uh, we talked about the payers, what has the response been to the providers? I imagine they're on one hand, they're hungry for something new. On the other hand, they're probably skeptical of, of something new. What is the response? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, there is there's definitely a strong, you know, as I indicated in you know our family's experience, there there is a clear unmet clinical need here. And we've also seen, you may have seen sort of the headlines too about the articles covering that, you know, perhaps over prescription of stimulants, the shortages of Adderall. Mm-hmm are hitting sort of the mainstream medical. So I think there's rising awareness that, hey, you know, if there were alternatives to drug therapy only, right, that's important class, but, you know, if there were alternatives, that's great. So I think there's that clear unmet need. So there's incredible receptivity. There's curiosity. At the same time, to be honest, right, this is a novel new approach. It's a video game. Aren't video games part of the problem? Right, right. And the, the good news is we have that strong scientific and clinical data to fall back on. So, you know, what we're doing now is we're engaging with clinicians, you know, uh, and doing that education, that outreach, you know, informing them of this new option. We're sharing our clinical data. We're helping them through the logistics so they can easily prescribe it for the appropriate patients in their practice. Uh, And now we're going back in the process of following up, you know, making sure that, you know, after 30 days that, you know, they're incorporating this into their overall treatment plan. So really trying to build it into Routine clinical care is is sort of the mission that we're on right now. And I want to talk about your your pipeline in a minute, but but you did mention about I think you're expanding the market for Endeavor X. You said I think you said you were reaching out to or beginning to move toward adults or other other patient classes. What does the future look like for Endeavor X? Yeah, so our focus today is on pediatric, uh, so eight to twelve year olds. Yeah, and then our our goal is to expand within ADHD. So we have a trial. That is underway in adolescents, so children uh, from 13 to 17, and then also uh, we have a, a study looking at adult populations, so the 18 plus. So um, those are underway. Beyond that, we've conducted studies in autism spectrum, multiple sclerosis, major depressive disorder, 
and actually some more acute conditions. Uh, we have two studies ongoing today with collaborators in COVID fog. Yeah, you know, okay. so sort of the you know the long haul COVID patients. One of the key complaints is cognitive dysfunction, in particular, attention, inability to maintain uh, attention. So we have two studies that we expect to see data early next year in that population. So there's some really interesting applications outside of our core ADHD indication. Where does multiple sclerosis fit into this? It seems like an unrelated condition, but it clearly isn't. Yeah, similarly, cognitive impairment is part and parcel of the disease. Okay. Uh, many of these multiple sclerosis patients do suffer from, you know, inability to focus, right? Which oh, has sure. a which has a deleterious effect on, you know, sort of everyday quality of life. You know, if you're struggling to direct that attention, it it just makes everything more difficult. No, that's a great point. For some reason, I was focused more on the physical. And finally, is the plan to continue to expand or expand your current product Endeavor X into other markets, or do you have some other products that you're developing that will give you a pipeline going forward? Yeah, so we do have a number of other technologies uh, in-house, but beyond sort of the U.S., one of the key markets that we're looking at uh, is international expansions. Uh, we have a collaboration with a partner in Japan called Shinogi, and they are now conducting sort of their phase three equivalent study. So their regulatory approval study in H 12 year old children in Japan. So we're excited to see that trial continue and progress. Um, we also have a CE mark. We don't have current plans to launch right now, um, but we have the capability of launching in Europe as well. So looking at expanding geographically first is sort of next up beyond ADHD. And, and final question. I mean, I, again, I opened this up by noting that you're, you came from the medical device industry. You bring that experience. You've also been in precision medicine. So you've, you've sort of been joining these industries that are sort of emerging and growing and, and grabbing territory. I'm curious what your assessment is of the digital therapeutics space. Um, and it's taken some hits as of late. It seems to be a sector that's cool, cooling off. Kelly doesn't need to be part of that cooling off. But I'm just curious, do you see this, this sector as a whole? as being here to stay? Or or do you see a few successful outliers like Achille existing in a sector that maybe is, is has peaked? Yeah, it's interesting because it is, it's a large space. It's interesting. I think, it, you know, for me coming into it, I'm, you know, still in this learning process, but really, if you think about it, there's really two different categories, you have sort of the digital therapeutics broadly, which include this broad spectrum of you know, right. things that you would associate with wellness, even things like meditation apps could, you know, theoretically be categorized under digital therapeutics. But then you also have the prescription digital therapeutics. There is a much smaller cohort. You probably have six, seven, eight products that have actually gone through the process of obtaining, you know, some sort of regulatory approval. You know, so our focus is more on that prescription digital therapeutics. And I think in that particular part of this broader market, the prescription side, we are seeing some progress. You know, there are a number of other companies uh, in this space who continue to make progress with payers, with adoption. So, you know, I do believe that this space is here to stay, right? As we mentioned, there is a clear unmet clinical need. There is a clear uh, crisis emerging in cognitive health and the need to improve cognitive functioning, right? I, I think that is beyond a doubt at this point. So, you know, for us, it's just kind of putting one foot in front of another, you know, benefit, you know, working with clinicians now that we have, you know, we're in this launch phase, working with clinicians to make a difference every day, right? And we'll continue to evolve the way we engage with customers. We'll continue to improve the outcomes that we get, you know, with this 
you know, really incredible, flexible format, video game format. So yeah, absolutely. I think it's early innings. We're making great progress and, you know, we'll just do it one patient at a time. Fantastic. All right. Well, it's a great story. And uh, Matt Franklin, thanks for joining us on the podcast to, to share it. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, that is a wrap. Chris Newmarker, what do we want people to do right now? Gobble, no. gobble, gobble. <laughs> we don't want people to do that. What do we ask people to do? We're going to... I was just trying to prepare for our turkey team <laughs> podcast week. No, we're uh, no people. You got to like, follow, subscribe. Absolutely. Like, follow and subscribe. Or as you say in Turkey-ish, gobble, gobble yeah, and gobble. or gobble. Right. There's some <laughs> <laughs> hey, it'll do. No, wait, that's not that's not turkey. No turkey. All right. I was and... in a discussion recently with somebody like over what um what a loon would sound like. Oh, you haven't heard the, a loon? I you know it has this very weird sound. I had to look it up. I was like, it was like, like oh yeah, like there I've I've been yeah. up in the, the the lakes of Maine. The, the, yes. the loons are plentiful and they're quite angry. Stay away from the loons. Do not go near loons. They're they very will... pretty to see in the middle of the lake. But yeah, they yeah, are. Yeah. My dog would like to, would anyone to cling close to the dock, the dog would start swimming out to the loons. And we're like, you do not want a piece of that loon, Daisy. Stay away. Yeah. Loons, loons uh, they're, well, they, they, they fight well in the water. They're loons. I mean, you don't want to do, you don't want to deal with that. All right. So people should like, follow, and or subscribe to the Device Talks Podcast Network. You'll get Device Talks Weekly. You'll get Striker Talks. You'll get Intuitive Talks. And we hope maybe some additional talks in the near future. Stay tuned. Uh, folks can find us on social media. I'm on LinkedIn, Tom, S-A-L-E-M-I. I'm still posting my world scores on Twitter, but that's really about it. But you can find me there at MedTechTom. Chris Newmarker, how's about you? Where are you out there in social media land? Find me on LinkedIn, Chris Newmarker, like a new marker. And, you know, you can find me on Twitter at Newmarker. Yeah, yeah we're there still. But uh, and uh, please do share this podcast episode on your social media channels. And of course, connect with Chris and myself when you do that. So we can be part of those conversations. So just just to recap. So next week is Thanksgiving. We likely won't have a Device Talks Weekly podcast next Friday, but we'll have intuitive talks out earlier in the weeks. And we'll have a striker talks out early the following week. And a Medtronic talk out that following week as well. You can subscribe to Medtronic Talks on their own channel. And then we'll be back uh, next two weeks from this Friday, the week after Thanksgiving, with another Device Talks weekly podcast. All right. Well, that's a wrap. Thanks, Chris Newberger. Have a good, happy Thanksgiving, my man. Happy Thanksgiving, you too. Take care, everybody. Have a great Thanksgiving.